This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. It's all the oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG 13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramont Plus. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. People down in Florida can't be still when Leonard Skinner's picking down in Jacksonville. People down in Georgia come from near and far to hear Richard Best picking on that red guitar. I went to my baby's house and I sat down on her stairs. She said, Southern Rock Podcast, a southern storm of bold, liberating rock, shot through with blues, soul, and gospel. And now, your hosts for the show, Brian Jones and Jason Johannes. Welcome to another episode of the All Things Blues and Southern Rock Podcast. Jason is here with us. What's going on? I am here with you, and I'm ready for a good summer music, Brian. I know you are, too. You got a lot of good shows coming up here. I do. What are you excited about? For sure, for sure. Uh, Government Meal this Sunday. Let's start with that. And we always need to mention that we are now on Pantheon Podcast, and I'm looking at the stats right now. There's some of their best shows. Ugly American Werewolf in London. Uh, Imbalance History and Shout It Out Loud podcast. Yes, and Mistress Carrie had somebody on this week. I can't remember. It was a good guess. Was it one of the guys from Extreme? I don't remember. But anyways, we're on a great roster. You like us? Check everybody else out. Right on. Uh, how was the Faster Pussycat show? Uh, the Faster Pussycat show was good. It was on a Monday night in Columbus. Not always a great night to have a show Monday, but uh, the club was pretty well filled. Um, I got a chance to talk to Sam, who we've had on the podcast. You know, um, he plays guitar for Dorothy, plays guitar for Faster Pussycat. That was nice. Uh, There's an opener for those of you who may know, if you've listened to our podcast, Jason Charles Miller, who's like a harder rock version of Blackberry Smoke. 
In fact, he was one of the co-songwriters on Old Scarecrow along with Ricky Medlock and Charlie Starr on the on the uh, You Hear Georgia album, Brian. That's awesome. Uh, we're going to have to try and get him on. I like the band. It really was. It was like hard rock, Blackberry Smoke, so hard Southern rock. They were really, really good. I I was I was impressed by them. I was impressed by them. Well, I'll definitely have to check check them out. I haven't got a chance to listen to anything yet, but uh, I definitely will. Um, yeah, and Pastor Pussycat sounded great. Uh, Sam played well. Like uh, Tammy sound, sound the band sounded good. Um, I was never a huge Pastor Pussycat fan. I liked some of their songs and stuff, but that was never one of the bands. But I'll tell you what, Brian, they sounded good, and it's just fun. It's fun rock and roll. Like you smile while you're there the whole time because it's nothing but good vibes, and I I miss that and I appreciate that. Yeah, and you know what's kind of surprising because you just reminded me to bring something up. Uh, uh, sometimes you know we there might be a band or something that you're not really into, and and um, go to a show or you go to a show and you you know tend to just go. Wow, this band is fun. It's loud guitar, but uh, just although it's not in our genre, my wife's a big fan of Lit, and they played at the mm -hmm. the, the, the the Rib Fest. And uh, they're a fun band, you know. I yeah. Mean, I wouldn't go travel to see them. It's like getting back like Doritos. A, like if you see a band at a festival or something, and you just you go, well, I'll watch them, you know. It's it's like junk food. <laughs> it's like when you eat Doritos, it's like the Doritos taste good. It's not necessarily good for me before or after or whatever, but like I enjoyed the experience. Yeah. Um, but they sounded really good. It's a two-guitar band, and they trade leads, and they did a cool extended intro to House of Pain, which was mm. really nice. And except. I was about an hour and a half of me standing around with a smile on my face, just enjoying fun, no frills, yeah. rock and roll. And yeah. thanks for Sam for hooking up with the ticket and talking to me. And it was, it was a good time. I actually went oh. by myself. Okay. <laughs> I was there oh. by myself. Yeah. Well, uh, we were, uh, had thought we had some guests lined up, uh, previously for this week, or uh, we didn't, maybe we didn't necessarily have someone locked in, but ah, we'll get someone in. And so this person's not available, that person's not available. But we got an old friend that is available, was available, and uh, always a good time to talk to Mr. Matt Wake. Yeah, Matt is, you guys know Brian and I are fans of, but man, he writes for all sorts of outlets, AL.com, Guitar World, Guitar Player, uh, Metal Edge now, and he has honest to God had some of my favorite stories of the year and it might not always be somebody or a, a subject I might be super interested in, but he does a great job when you read the stories and it's always good. So, um, Brian, we hadn't talked to Matt in a while. It was good to have him on and just, you know, just have a, uh, a podcast where we just shoot the shit with somebody that likes music. Yeah, I, I, I want to have a series of podcasts talking about whatever with whoever. Yep. So we just. Those are some talk. of my favorite because we always interview people, which is great, and find out about people. But just hanging out without really, a, yeah, a, a, right. You know, a script. Talking about whatever with Matt Wake, and you guys will hear that right now.
We're here at the guest segment of the podcast, and uh, we just kind of had some previous people that we thought were going to be on, and that just kind of didn't come to fruition, but we got a great friend to come in tonight, and we're going to have a great chat here. Jason. The guy coming in to back cleanup for us, and (laughs) I'll tell you what, it is a friend of ours, somebody I love reading his stuff and following him on social media, and I'm going to use a quote of somebody else. I'm going to quote Katie Heron, a.k.a. McQueen from the Dead Deads, and say he's a super cool dude. So back with us, journalist extraordinaire, Matt Wake. What's going on, Matt? What's oh, up, man? man. Stoked to see you guys. Stoked to talk music with you guys. And I'll, I'll take a compliment from Katie Heron. She's a cool, <laughs> cool cat, great drummer. How's everything uh, in uh, Huntsville? Things are good uh, in Huntsville, where Katie is from also. Um, uh, the Orion Amphitheater is bringing in a lot of good shows. Um, and uh, so that's fun, you know, because uh, when the show comes to you, then all of a sudden you're not paying for a hotel for two hours or three hours of gas each way. Uh, you can I can eat at my house and sleep in my own bed. It's like it chops it from like here to here in cost. So it's pretty, pretty cool. You can afford to buy the shirt when you go to a show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Speaking of merch, I brought this because uh, to show you guys, it's my favorite piece of non clothing rock merch I have. It's a Greg Allman. Oh, I'm, the, I'm no angel. Yeah. Nice. That was a big hit there in the 80s. Yeah. So it's got a, uh, sparkling ginger water from whole foods in there so there's only one way a to sparkling mm-hmm. ginger water from whole foods. like that's kind of kind of yuppie that's <laughs> rock and roll <laughs> sparkling water <laughs> sparkling water from whole foods in a greg almond cozy yeah that maybe a- that is maybe that's what rock, rock and roll is now what is rock like you're you are no lie, I'm not saying this because we're friends, but one of the best, not one of the, the, the best rock journalists going right now. And that's one why we're excited to talk to you. Like you just knock it out of the park with all your subjects, all your interviews. So dude, what's, go, what's going on in rock? Like what is rock? Um, I think, you know, there's a lot of good things happening in, in rock and um, uh, from some really, you know, the tour with Aerosmith and the Crows. I think that'll be really exciting. Uh, Once that gets going, I think that'll have a lot of buzz. Um, uh, I think there's, as you guys do a great job of um, promoting up and coming bands, I think the ones doing it now, they're not doing it. it, It's all because they love it because they could make more money elsewhere, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, I, I, I think it, it, you know, Dirty Honey just finished their second album. Saw that. That's exciting. Um, and uh, there's always new. Like somebody sent me uh, on Twitter, sent me a clip of this band from Pittsburgh. Yeah. The Sweat. And I've never hmm. heard, heard of them. They're a young band. They have only have like 650 followers on Facebook. Really good. It sounded like Nancy Wilson, a young Nancy Wilson, but more of a from heart but more of a power pop kind of sound like the raspberries or uh, a little less classic rock but uh i was like wow these are these are great and i'd never heard of it so i think new stuff bubbling up 
do you think, I mean, you, listen, you're, you're talking to a lot of great people from established acts to up and coming stuff. Are you, are you seeing like a change in landscape where rock's becoming a little bit more mainstream cool? I think something that is cool about, I think it's kind of cool that rock has, has an outsider kind of, you know, thing that, that's, that's really back, I think. Whereas like, obviously the income and all the different, there's more, more money for the bands, even to like the, the rock writers when rock is in the mainstream, but there is kind of that outlaw edge when it's out the of the mainstream. And like I said before, the people that are doing it now are it's this is they're doing it because they love this music. Uh, I think um, I don't know. I think it's one or two things from getting really big in the mainstream again. I think there's such a push in hey um, some people are gonna like music like k-pop or you know the latin pop or you know taylor swift or all but i think there's gonna that, that stuff is so pushed right now because of the clicks that's what you know derives major media what they cover and like um they've pretty much dropped rock uh, don't give any new rock real rock coverage or they have a list of people who uh check the right boxes that they'll still cover but uh um i i think uh but say something like say there's a really like a another really big sensation of a streaming show like a, a stranger things and they really use all rock uh, you know little things could that could like push yeah. a little more or well, we saw master of puppets right this latest uh, great things right all of a sudden master of puppets is everywhere great great example um and i think even uh i think even if like I, i'm not a fan of her i appreciate how hard she's worked although to me she sings like someone who's never struggled to pay rent uh <laughs> is taylor swift you know, but like because uh, she hasn't, <laughs> and hey, I wish that was my case. I've made it, <laughs> but she's worked her ass off, right? Um, she writes her own music, right? Like you can appreciate. She that. has co a lot of co-writers. I my understanding for some of that stuff, but uh, um, you know, uh, uh, I respect her work ethic and what she's been able to build up. But um, uh, if she did like a rock album. Or like Beyonce did a rock album, then all of us, you know. And again, I'm not a fan of Beyonce. Her voice doesn't do anything for me. I like lots of R&B singers, but it's just not special to me personally. But yeah. I, I'm on the outside, um, you know. I, I there, are, you know, people think I'm nuts for liking some of the bands I like, but you know, uh, I don't know. I think, but you get someone like that that tilts the paradigm, I think, if they did a rock album. But to be honest with you, these bands are making good money on the road, I think. I think they've the smart ones have figured out how to make a good living. Outside. Oh, and, I, and I know, Brian, you've got a question. I'm going to cut you off real fast, so I apologize. But we were just talking, and Brian was saying, hey, you got that new, that new amphitheater in Huntsville. I don't 
I don't think if there's not a demand for live music and real people playing stuff, you're not getting to Huntsville or these other places that are going to make these venues, right? It's a business, man. You're exactly yeah. right. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on Getting Real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late, and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make, and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well, I could make a run to the store, or I could make one of my new factor meals. <laughs> Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything Factor Meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor Meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code pantheon50 to get 50% off. When you guys mentioned Stranger Things, I immediately thought of Yellowstone, which, of course, Blackberry Smoke has music on there. Whiskey Myers has music on there. Uh, Lainey Wilson. Cool. We could talk about a little bit. Um, and uh, Whiskey Myers is playing up here about 80, 80 miles north. Um, and I'm going to go to that. And they're playing this place called the Alara Center, which is it's not quite the size of like your typical arena, but a little bit less than that. And I'm like... But I'm looking at their tour schedule, and those guys are playing arenas, like and even Blackberry Smoke plays theaters and sheds and stuff. But Whiskey Myers is playing arenas, and they play up here, and people know who they are, which is great. They're not me. on mainstream radio at all, right, Brian? Like, I don't know if they're. Like, well, see, where do you I hear the music? I can't speak on behalf of uh, country FM radio. I know, like both of them and Blackberry Smoke have, have been, you know, uh, shown a lot on. I think a lot on CMT. So it's like this cool. thing where it's like I almost like have to do I have to give some credit to FM country radio where we always talk about FM rock radio is just like dropped the ball decades ago. Um, and, you know, I, and people are playing the game a little more like uh, the, the Crows doing the stuff with Darius Rucker, uh, you know, who's. Yeah become a country star yep. and uh that's something they would have been like back in the 90s or even 2000 would have been like <laughs> that man and, but now they're like and i think uh you know i think you're seeing the smarter people figure it out because they have yeah. no, they have no choice not to so brian said two interesting things first and foremost I can't believe there's something 80 miles north of you in Fargo, North Dakota, and they still have civilization and arenas to play <laughs> somewhere. So I'm baffled by that. I figured that was Canada. <laughs> and going back to the rock radio or the FM radio, country radio, man, I'm going to throw this at you. It's like, where do you think country music fits in with, with rock? And like he, he, named, he named Whiskey Myers and Blackberry Smokes, which are these rock acts with, with country. But is country radio the new rock radio i guess you know i to be honest i, I would be offering a total drive-by opinion on that 
So you're not listening to a lot of country radio? I don't. I don't. Me either. That's no, what I was either. hoping you would know. <laughs> I don't. But hey, um, I do have, you know, I mean, I think, um, you know, as far as rock radio goes, I have some friends who work in, I guess, more of a modern rock uh, station. I, ha- uh, I know a couple of people at a classic rock station. I think the interesting thing for me there is I think the modern rock helps you know, baby bands pretty good. You know, like if Dirty Honey's coming in town, they'll work their music or, um, and also the inherently thing interesting about classic rock is they keep, you know, they shift. I, I did a story on it years and years and years ago about there's a thing, they they figure out what's classic rock. Okay, we'll play stuff that was big when people who are now between these ages or born in these years were 18 to, or whatever, they have a formula for it. So like, that's why like, okay, it used to just be like bad company and Boston and Zeppelin or whatever. And then it went to like Guns N' Roses. And then it went to Nirvana. And now you're starting to hear like Green Day on classic rock. And, um, you know, I don't like that. Stripes on classic rock. And that I think that the three of us were all various ages, but close enough together where that I don't think any of us like that feeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The next stop though is would be like the oldies station. Oh God, help! That's me. when you're in trouble when you're Led Zeppelin playing on the oldies channel. If that happens, I don't know <laughs> if I can take that. If the soundtrack of my youth is on the oldies station, there's no escaping what that means, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's it kind of makes you sad to be honest with you i want to keep on this discussion fm radio and you might not have the answers whatever but like i always get like in one way i don't really care um in a reference uh interview that i was reading was uh with charlie charlie star and brit and richard turner i think they all did this they were separate on there but they all said like well our fans they just they're not going to care if that we're not on fm radio but like why you know up especially up here like there's actually people who don't know who blackberry smoke is or whiskey myers even though there are some like like why aren't they all over the radio and even then i'll go to the next what i consider the next lower rung of southern rock it's like the georgia thunderbolts and them dirty roses like why aren't they all over the radio like at what point did fm radio you know get into these formulas that you were talking about it seems like since Foo Fighters came out, I, 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 I'm struggling to find another rock band that's come out since then and that has stayed on FM radio. You know, I mean, there was Jet out of Australia. They broke up. Velvet Revolver broke up. There was a there was a band called Taddy Porter that stayed together, but they went from a typical, like, like almost like a cry of love kind of sound to like, like Jefferson Airplane. And now they're coming back to that kind of rock thing and so I, I you like what do you understand that more, Matt? What what their formulas are based on? And even though there's these songs that are like should be on FM radio, that they're just like they shun certain stuff. You know, I I I don't have the inside view or have written about that nature of radio that I can recall. But what I do think off of that is two things. One bands like blackberry smoke who have you know they've had some notoriety but they're also 
good enough. They have good management and good other things where they work their social media right. They talk to the right, you know, uh, um, podcast or what. They they know they've adjusted to the ch- adapt or die. Like they've adjusted to reaching their fans through social media, through podcasts, through uh, the avenues they do have good enough. And it's, you know, they keep their fans. Uh, so there's fan retention. Um, and the other thing I think that would be interesting there is that, um, uh, yeah, I, I guess that would be kind of like, I think they've kind of, but the result of that is there's kind of been a vast fall off in people, bands added to household name level status. Like who after Foo Fighters? Right. Which which yeah. has been the biggest band come out since like two two thousand? I know the Foo Fighters came out like ninety five or whatever, but I mean, like honestly, what's what's the biggest new band? You cover a lot of stuff through Guitar World and AL.com and all this other like what's what's the big band that's come out? I mean Is it still the Foo Fighters? It wasn't like um, Kings of Leon was doing doing good for a while. They, they were I mean some of it, I mean, Red Van Fleet sells out arenas, man. And those guys right. are in their mid-20s. Yeah. So, but I don't think like, do I think if I said, hey, what about Josh Kizkut? Just like to people who aren't fans. Right. Yeah. So I think there's been a, a fan efficiency, I think, of the good, you know, bands of the waves after kind of that mainstream household era thing, like um, that they've gotten very efficient with you know but i don't i don't know how many casual fans a lot of these bands have i think a lot of the fans are fans fans so uh, i think brian's getting to a good point and let's see if you can corroborate this but like it, it, fm radio is not really an indicator these days or maybe not nece- as necessary to make a living doing doing live rock music uh, I mean, people have figured it out. I'm sure it's such a huge tool for some bands, you know, like th- I think of a band like Dorothy or, um, Good, yeah. you know, even, you know, I know, you know, Godsmack is a while back, but, you know, they've rung up, had a long thing of hits, you know, um, on rock. And Dorothy gets played on rock radio all over the place. But I'll tell you what, Matt, every, when I've seen her, it's been in smaller venues, I know they, she was just part of the um, Sonic Slam Festival in Columbus, like that big multi-day thing. But that, when I saw her last summer, she was in a 600-seat club. Yeah, I think the last time she was here, yeah, she was in a, uh, a big club. Um, but, you know, who knows? Uh, I'm sure she's making a good living, too, though. So, yeah, I haven't done an in-depth deep dive on the relation in 2023 to and how integral radio play i think i think there are different ways to to make be a success well i think you said it earlier it's like they learn to play the game and you to use blackberry smoke as a as a example good management works for social media i think that's the evolution and like survival of the fittest is you figure out because rock radio is not going to play you like the brian's point it's the same 15 bands and the same 30 songs yeah. how you go out and make a living playing rock music is a lot different than it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. And a lot of these, you know, 
And we're talking touring level at a certain level. Yeah. A lot smarter with their merch. They do a lot better merch. They, uh, they, the meet and greets before shows, right? Like pay money to go meet your band. Yeah. Boom. It's like, <laughs> I've met a singer for a, a rock band we all love before. And he was a total dick and <laughs> went out of his way to be a dick. And I had written some really nice things about him when a lot of people weren't writing a lot of nice things about him. And then. Can we guess? <laughs> let's not. And then so another friend of ours met this person at a meet and greet and he was like man he was so cool i was like how much and i'm thinking how much did you pay for the meet and greet and he was like he was so psyched i had bought this box set of his solo band i'm like how much okay so let's add up you know the box set and the meet and greet and you're like he gave me a chest bump well that's how much your chest bump costs the price of a vip and a box set so yeah but yeah my my last question about FM radio is I want to know uh, down in the south where you're at or any, you know, this Georgia or, you know, Tennessee, whatever, uh, is it different from your typical FM station? All And, and I'll pre- premise it by saying a couple of things like, like some of the bands, the, the newer Southern rock kind of bands that we talk to, we'll hear like, well, they played our song. I know certainly in Kentucky, we know. That FM radio is 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 cool, and Greg Martin's got a show, and Steve Jewell did have a show, and I think Han Solo, Frozen and Carbonite, Boone Boone had a show or does have a show or whatever. But like, uh, this goes with the story, so bear with me. But like in 2014, late fall 2014, I drove out to California, and between Grand Forks or between Fargo, North Dakota, and Salt Lake City, it was just like desolate. But a lot of that was driving through South Dakota, Wyoming. But nobody lives but there though. KLOS out in Los Angeles was the exact same playlist as like KJ 108 in Grand Forks, which is that town 80 miles north here. So FM radio down south, is it the same as every other FM station, or or do they actually tap into some of these southern say, bands? Okay. Now I'm my listening of radio in the car isn't as intensive as it used to be, right. but when I did live in New Orleans for a couple of years, I noticed, like, for example, the classic rock station there that still played, you know, Led Zeppelin, but they would play like the song remains the same instead of, you know, uh, they would expand the catalog. Rock. Yeah. Uh, so uh, um, here, I, I, the what I've noticed is just that, you know, the, like we talked about earlier it's now it's freaking the white stripes and green day on classic so i wish i I had more uh my finger more in the radio well well, kind of turn it around so you you know you do rock journalism music journalism entertainment journalism so how do you stay on top or find about music is it because your editor somebody gives you an assignment or, or like are you active seeking out bands and like how do you do that you know, uh, social media is both the problem and the solution yeah. um, and for a lot of things in life. But, um, <laughs> you know, very I, true. <laughs> that's, that's how you tell. Uh, I mean, that's how the buzz often, you know, someone that you respect their opinion posts about a band, whether it's you guys or, um, you know, other people that I trust their opinion, whether they're 
higher up the rung than me or maybe somewhere else. Um, I mean, and, you know, I'll have friends text me sometimes or, you know, I'm on the email list for a shitload of publicists. So Mm -hmm. um, that can become a deluge, the publicists. Uh, here's you know, a press release come here to listen to the new album and the new single like brian and i get that stuff now too of course, sure i bet and not um, as much as you but we get it and it's a lot like this a lot to keep up with but if if you look at those instead of just delete them all sometimes you'll find something like and you know there's yeah. some art to that like being able to have the right reference points to draw in people um uh but uh yeah so a lot of it's that or um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, those would probably be a lot of the ways, you know. Yeah, personal anecdote for me on that is exactly right. And I've, I've told this story on the podcast before. So listeners, you know, I apologize. But one of my one of my favorite bands going right now is the Cold Stairs. And yeah, that's how I, I found out about them. Yeah, from from listening. But, but it's word of mouth. I would not know anything about the cold stairs as if we weren't asked, asked, I think it was, um, um, who was it? It was Blackstone Cherry's management, Brian, to see if we could have Chris on to talk about the new record. I never yeah, heard of these be, guys. Yeah. Talk to Chris. Somebody did. Talk to Chris. He was cool as shit. I checked out that music, that, that Heavy Shoes album. I'm like, this is good. And like, checked out their back, back catalog. Loved them. But man, I... I would not known about this band that I love so much right now if I wasn't on a, po- a podcast that just, you know, had somebody on. Yeah, yeah. And you touched on another thing, like if a known manager or someone that you know works with a band you like or a cool band, they pick up a new younger band, you're like, hmm, I can't remember if I was already hip to Dirty Honey by the time I heard that they had the same management as the Crows, but um, I was like, hmm, and little things like that. But remember, it makes sense that they would play together regardless of the relationship with the manager. Totally. And that's another thing, like, and I think this was more prevalent, you know, when we were coming up as rock fans and young, young dudes uh, or young rock fans a lot of the baby bands would get taken out as openers, mm-hmm. you know, um, and some bands brought out some really cool ones, you know, so uh, I see some of that, but not as much now. Yeah, it's just, it's just an interesting thing. And Brian and I, we have a, our, our thing is like, we don't turn anybody down and say, no, we might push a, you know, a couple months down the road, but like our thing is introducing a lot of new music or celebrating the stuff that we already like. And it is, it's very disappointing and sad that most people don't get a chance to get exposed to really good music. We are very fortunate doing what we do. We hear a lot of this new stuff and can find this cool stuff and try to share it with people. But man, there are not a lot of good, good, um, you know, good, good ways, platforms to do that. And I think you're right. Like going back to the question I asked you is like social media, people recommending stuff because you cannot count on the radio thing anymore it's word of mouth it's kind of like the old school days word of mouth somebody's got a tape somebody's got a bootleg check them out yeah uh and they're um like jay scott his podcast does a great yeah. job yeah they always do a new music spotlight yep i've learned from you guys learn stuff from jay um and it's you know kind of basic but on spotify fans also 
fans of this artist also like. I've found some pretty cool stuff from that. That's what you do, Brian, right? It's like you listen to this and like you might also yeah, like this band. Yeah. yeah, I've come across a lot of bands that way. Brian's a good talent scout. Like you missed, you should have been the <laughs> guy back in the 80s who was signing bands because you you pick up some really good stuff. Yeah, A&R, Brian. Well, yeah. I mean, that I'll just mention quick on that around that time, you know, like up here, like we always get something that's popular delayed like a year, year and a half, whatever. But <laughs> like when Motley Crue and Rat and everything, they were really big. I was looking for bands that weren't as well known you know those like black and blue and rough cut keel armored saint you know so in, that was like probably in hit parader magazines you see the smaller story or whatever and I'd read through that like who are these guys they were cool or whatever so it's just about just being drawn to what else you're an underdog guy that's what you are <laughs> you like the underdog well this could be a good segue in another question matt and i don't know how much uh, enlightenment you have on this but like we always i always joke on our facebook page that I'm not a promoter, but I, I play one, you know, in my head, whatever. I, I feel like I would be good at like putting a show together because, and I know maybe part of it is they want, people want their festivals to be a little more diverse, but like, why isn't there a festival, festival? Like, like I, I was joking earlier today, like there should be like Blackberry Smoke should take the You Hear Georgia theme up, but with like Larkin Poe, George, Georgia Thunderbolts, Georgia and bands, the road, yeah. you know, um, so do you have any insight onto how festivals are put together or why it, i guess from my viewpoint i look at it i see like the, the lineups could be better although i will say one other thing before you answer if you have an answer is that these festivals like born and raised and uh um like firewater there's a, one other one this name is escaping my head but like now we see like southern rock or, or bluesy rock being at the same festivals as as country music but authentic or outlaw original kind of country music so are some of those lanes being broken down that could be a second question like because everything for many years going back younger everything was stuck into lanes like you couldn't have like everything kind of crosses over it's more of a broader yeah so in my, i don't know maybe i'm like just kind of like canceling out my own point where it's like before like festivals are just genreified and i'm wondering why it's not like that now but then i think it's cool that now we're finding the connections again between southern rock blues country gospel and so if you get any answers what was the question yeah what was the question (laughs) do you and your brother fight a lot (laughs) yeah Um, remember you were the beatles that was cool (laughs) um state of festivals i guess so my knowledge of putting on festivals and concerts is, you know, massive risks. So they mm-hmm. want to give themselves the best shot of selling a lot of shoes, you know, getting, making, making profit. And they have targeted an audience. Now, whether that's Instagram hipsters at Coachella and, you know, like that kind of thing, or whether it's, people who are into outlaw country and new wave of Southern rock. You know, I think people, there's some passion involved too, but unless there's business in there too, and like playing the tape through and go like, you know, you know, like all these great rock things and rock cruises and, you know, people have figured are they're figuring out that business thing because if they don't, man, you know, and t- there's many bands, you know, like 
veteran rock bands that will tell you they're making more but better money now than in their prime because um you know they're independent they're not you know um as paying all as, the managers and agents and all this like taking the chunk out right not having to pay back the record label for making the album that cost how you know houses and houses and houses worth of money sometimes um uh so my understanding of i mean the music business is half business and half music you know and, and the festivals and stuff like that uh you know i'm there's you know there's there i'm sure there've been i don't want to call anyone out but there's been some that you're like that's not going to work and it doesn't work and um but you know all these great rock things like uh they have one up in the you know, it's just a bunch of different rock festivals you know people are like there's never any rock at coachella or um you know bonner there's some at bonnero but it, the thing i think you got to work listen like festivals like the camping festivals like Bonnaroo they figured out now that there's more festivals where older motherfuckers like me can stay at a hotel on the beach <laughs> and hang out instead of in a fucking tent for four days in summer in Tennessee which festival you think I'm gonna go to so You're they've right. targeted like a, a thing like a camping thing like Bonnaroo has targeted that's why they, it's all like dance music and rap and pop and shit because that's what you know greasy kids stuff because yeah. greasy kids are the only ones that are going to endure that because they can you know get wasted you know in the land with no parents for three days and um uh it's it's all a lot of it is that you know like uh you know tweaking to market to target demographic to what's available so it's all business it's, to what to what your yeah. funds have right to what you know yeah it's I've, i think a lot of it is that man and but like you said that makes total sense for those new uh southern rock bands to be on a outlaw country festival those people you talk about the discovery you know how I also have, you know, back in my younger days, would discover bands at festivals, the mm-hmm. underfoot bands. Yeah. You know, or you're walking from one stage to the other, and you're like, oh, that's pretty good. I think I'll stick around for it. You know, so I guess that would be another way sometimes to find new bands. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of the bands we talk to do play the same festivals and things together, but it, it becomes more of a broad genre of like, hey, you can fit into a rock or a country festival or blues, whatever, which is honestly, if you're a touring band, the more, right, the more widespread your audience or body audience, the better you're going to have a chance of making a living at doing it. It's the definition of crossover, isn't it? That is the definition of crossover. So Jason, you mentioned earlier, the new wave of Southern rock, you know, like when, you know, we've all heard about the new, the new wave of British heavy metal and they call it new album. Yeah, I think we are seeing the new wave of Southern rock, Nuwasser, you know, and I would say the new wave. <laughs> I love new, it. Trademark. Wave, we just trademarked that. Yeah. It could be the new wave of American Southern rock, but Jason and I are, are coming across all these bands from the UK. Same thing that's going over, yep. on over there. So is this like a more of a, almost like a transatlantic new wave of Southern rock? 
there are UK bands doing Southern rock. Oh, yeah. Dude, oh, did I not yeah. send you the stuff? Did I not send you stuff about Doomsday Outlaw? If I didn't, I need to. And they're just one. There's there's quite a few. You sent they me some it. stuff. I haven't committed it to the few um, megabytes left I have on my hard drive <laughs> in my brain. But uh, you've sent me some cool stuff. That is awesome. I think that's so cool that there would be Southern rock bands in the UK. Wow. They'll probably come up with a new little twist on it southern and blues rock and like i I threw doomsday outlaw they had a a record come out earlier this year and it's like if you took 70s southern rock and with 80s hard rock sensibilities i'll call it like it's i listened to i couldn't believe they were a british band first and foremost and then we had to find out who they we we got them on the podcast a couple minutes a couple months ago because i talked to them but like yeah Blues bands are big. The American Southern rock bands go over in there, do well. Like Robert John and the Wreck has been on tour over there. Whiskey Myers, Blackberry Smoke. Our friends in Jane Lee Hooker, a good uh, blues rock band out of New York, is over there touring right Mojo now. Mojo Thunder. Cold Stairs, Mojo Thunder. There. The Cold Stairs are finishing a European tour. They play to bigger audiences over there than they do over here. Yeah, that's, a, that's kind of a, a thing that's been going on for a long time is going back to Hendrix. Had to go to England to get discovered after you know paying dues here so um yeah it's that's an interesting phenomenon and again that's cool that those bands have figured out and played to that um you know route to being viable as a long-term um venture (laughs) so you get to you've talked to a lot of cool people had really cool interviews with 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 a lot of artists this year. And honestly, I, I, I always, whatever story you come up with, I always enjoy it, whether it's Zeppelin, uh, gun, LA guns, whatever, but thank you for you. Um, what are you seeing from like these, and we'll call them um, legacy acts right now, because I'll tell you what, Monday night, I just saw faster pussycat and Columbus. They were killer. Like they were, they put on a good show, still sounding good. You know, LA guns is, has a new record out they're torn like where do these where do the legacy acts right now fit in um i think uh, okay so la guns and faster pussycat in the cases of those they've found some really good pieces to go around the central piece or pieces um you know like with faster you have sam mm-hmm uh on guitar and i forget the other gentleman's name it was a brand new younger kid like those those two and they even joked about the show those guys ages combined are less than tammy down down's age that's great trophy wife of guitar players but um uh, trophy wife of guitar. nice uh i still that from, stole that from chris robinson he said that about jackie green yep, i was just gonna say that <laughs> um but um uh okay so they have really good supporting players the right ones in the case of tammy you know a different strokes for different folks but you know he used to live pretty hard and now he's you know got a uh a lot healthier and so he'll be able to not only perform better make better decisions the next day when he wakes up you know um have the not run off people. I'm not saying he ever did, but people who live hard sometimes can run off some people sure. who don't, you know, want to be hit by that debris. Um, in the case of LA guns, um, uh, they benefit from the fact that they're 
original singer still sounds very, very good. Right. Uh, like Man, I, he sounds amazing. Yeah, I always use that thing. There's not a lot of slam dunk contest held for former NBA uh, players that are now 60 or older. You yeah. know, yeah. that hard rock style a lot of times. But for some maybe he bathes in like virgin blood, Phil does, to keep that. But um, in, in, we'll ask Ace that question or Phil if we <laughs> ever get him on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please do. Um, and, you know, so they have him. They have Tracy Guns. Tracy still can play really, really good. They've been inspired. And something that Phil mentioned is that making new music together has strengthened their friendship and like their bond because they're building something new. It's not like as great it is to have those, you know, classic Kelly Gun songs. They're not just sticking that in the microwave and cashing the check. They're like making new stuff and they're not, be- they haven't gotten AR. A guy who's beholden to a record label that's owned by a company that has stockholders, you know, that is somebody's bitch to somebody else's bitch to somebody else's bitch. And, um, you know, they make the kind of music they want to hear and they like um, the supporting players they have from like Ace, you know, Von Johnson, uh, the rhythm section is uh John yeah, their touring Pumpkin. drummer. Um, is it Tony? I can't Sean remember. Was... Sean, thank you, man. He's we were really I good. was talking to him the other day. Yeah, and Johnny Martin on bass is just yep, like, yep solid, like a total um, a tent pole for them. Um, and I think they've figured out and have the right management how to make a living. Look, they're not ACGC. They don't have that kind of machinery behind them and they don't generate, they don't print money like ACDC does, but they've figured out how to make a, you know, how to do well. Uh, I, I think, you know, that's what I see is, you know, um, it's pretty uh, a combination of those factors, you know, taking care of yourself, having the right pieces where it sounds like the band and having the pieces that, are those pieces that still sound, you know, uh, and I think making new music, you know, you know, it makes it feel like not just like a museum or, you know, an exhibit. It's like, a, they sound like LA guns, but it's still modern at the same time. Like it's not just a like museum type of music. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain again with something every podcast listener and music junkie needs to hear. As I'm sure you can guess, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I also listen to a lot of music, so having high-quality headphones and earbuds are absolutely critical to my day. Oh, and I have numerous pairs. In fact, I have a junk drawer of used devices that have bitten the dust, so I've tried them all. Recently, I was sent a pair of earbuds by Raycon, and the first thing I noticed was the cost. Uh, Looks like their products are about half the price of other premium brands. Okay, that's cool. And the reviews seem pretty stellar. Okay, checks that box. So I got my Raycon Everyday Earbuds, a nice packaging to open, and what I immediately noticed were the pack of ear tips for sizing. Uh, I'll tell you, I have small ear canals. Uh, I know a flaw. So to see choices for the best fit, uh, especially while exercising, oh yeah. 
And yes, they were immediately comfortable. Sound quality was great too. Plus, I have three EQ options that I love because I like more bass in my music and less in the podcasts. Eight hours of playtime for the battery is great as well. Surround sound, noise canceling, and awareness mode all included. I think I'm in business, and I just realized I've had them in all day. Like I said, super comfortable. Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Is there another band? So let's say on LA Guns, because uh, Brian and I like love those guys, and we've gotten back into them with the last records. Um, is, is there a band that you can remember that's been out 30, 35 years that's making records that still are fresh and good and original? Like full records, like not just a song or two that's good, yeah. but like you're actually releasing full albums of good material. Um, LA Guns is one a lot of people who really know rock will say. This new extreme record's pretty oh pretty yeah. hot stuff. Yeah. Like um the songs are good. It sounds like extreme. They're stretching a little in some places. Mm-hmm. You know, they've always been like that. Gary can still sing his ass off. Nuno can obviously still play. Yeah, and, and Nuno has been inspired, I think, with Ed, Edward Van Halen's passing to, you know, really keep that energy going of hot shit guitar playing with soul and a sense of humor and a smile. Uh, yeah. So uh, that's when I think of um, those, those are the two that comes to mind. And I'm sure there's more, I mean, uh, there, there a lot of those bands are, um, you but know. you don't normally see that though. You don't see these bands who've been out, 30, 35, approaching 40 years, put new material out where, like, again, conceptually, the, the album is a good album. Tesla's done some good stuff. I think mm-hmm. they've stuck more to singles. Yeah. I think the last album they did was with Phil Collin. Yeah, yeah we don't talk about that around here. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it kind of doesn't stop. It, There's like two good almost, songs on there. Def Tesla. I call that Def Tesla, and we don't talk about that. <laughs> yeah. It, um, I think but the singles are good, it. it sounds like something else, but yeah. like the singles they've put out since then, um, a couple of the ones I've yeah. heard are very good, sound like Tesla. Like, and also, like, I think it's cool that and Little Boobs, like, uh, they just put out a live record Tesla did, and uh, Eddie Trunk asked him a really good question when Frank was who's cool as shit, the guitar player from Tesla, on their new show they have on YouTube called That Rocks with mm-hmm. the, that metal show guys but he asked him why did you guys do a single live album instead of a double album because that's the normal chassis right and he's like well we wanted to not have anything we've had on here that was been on a previous live album and little things like that i think are cool you know like he was saying you know we don't want the fifth version or the third version of signs or so i think if even when bands can i think that's smart okay, you think live album, okay, they're just kind of think of a way to get out some product until they can come up with the next thing to bring in a larger amount of income. But if you're getting creative with the live album too and just not 
you know, I love Kiss, but putting the 10,000th version of rock and roll on night, you know, on there, I, I don't know. It's, you know, I think, and I think also a lot of these legacy bands don't have shit to prove. They've been the toast of the town and they've been the butt of the joke for 10 years in the nineties, a lot of them, most of them. And so they have perspective, like, you know, but they're kind of cool again, to be honest with you. I know they yes, were the yes. butt of the joke, but, but I think that's 100%. becoming cool again. Yeah, they have, you know, and you see shows like the superhero thing, Peacemaker. It was all cool 80s. Yeah, it was all 80s. Hanoi Rocks and uh, Choir Boy. I think Choir Boy, like it was all that. Like even like the non-mainstream stuff was on it. Exactly. Um, And I think a lot of that was, I think a lot of those songs. What you also see is, okay, so normally a lot of the more creative things now that i'm sure that had a good budget but a smart move of those songs are good like choir boys and you know uh hanoi and all that stuff but that shit was probably pretty affordable to license true so i think you know if i was a young scrappy indie you know showrunner or filmmaker or you know there's probably some bargains to be had you know, and like you could do it with 90s stuff. I'm sure a Cry of Love track is a lot cheaper than a Pearl Jam or a Soundgarden or a Nirvana track to license, you know? Yeah, obviously. For sure. We should probably mention Tom Kiefer as well. So I know Jason's yeah. seen him like recently, I guess. I saw Sonic Slam last yeah. year. It was LA Guns, Kiefer, and Pussycat. Uh, yeah, his band's really good. And it's Skinner's always been a big part. I think. There's a very, okay, two underrated things about 80s hard rock. Um, the Southern rock influence, you know, on the guitar playing and the songwriting and the punk rock influence with the bass. There's a lot of punk rock bass players in those big, 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 big rock bands. You know, Duff McKagan, Nikki Six. there's a whole line of them. And there's a lot of people like Tom who love Southern Rock, the Almonds and Skinnerd. And his Tom Kiefer band, you know, he's got, uh, you know, they had a keyboard player with Cinderella too, but they've got the chick background singers like the mm-hmm. Honkats from Skinnerd. Yep. Um, he's got, you know, a um, hell of a band playing with him. And uh, uh, I, and he strikes a good mix, those live shows of the stuff from that last, you know, album and, you know, the songs people want to hear and the songs he has to play and the songs super fans will get jazzed to hear. It's, uh, and, you know, that stuff's, he has some really good songs. When you said punk and Southern rock, we have to mention Junkyard and Dangerous Toys too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow uh love those bands and um you know uh i'm sure they had quite the experience being on major labels back in the day uh like didn't the singer who did uh didn't the singer from dangerous toys fill in for another big tour for jason mcmaster he did i think armored saint another band he filled in armored saint boy somebody else when people became sick he filled in i had i had a great so i was at rock and pod this year 
and I, I had Jason McMaster on and we okay. had a fantastic conversation about blues and like the birth of rock. He was gr like great. Like it was one of the coolest conversations I ever had. Awesome. Yeah. I'd love to chat with him. Uh, I'm still in that first junkyard record. I oh, still listen to on the regular. Like my high school. I do too. Even six to seven and nines their second record that came out is chalk. Like the whole album is really good. I love those mm -hmm. guys. I always make Brian have a, have the like Pat and Tim come on just because I love them. They're cool as shit. Yeah. They're great. Music school. Yeah. And they took the crows out for the first time. The crows were really doing a little bit of a, a wide swing. They were the opener for junkyard for, yeah, for a those. very brief time. Those YouTube clips are very good <laughs> of the pros uh, at that sort of rock club level. Charlie yeah. Starr's a big junkyard fan. Char they they wrote um, he wrote a song for him, and I'm uh, shit. I'm blanking on it till the wheels Brian. fall off. Yeah, till the wheels fall off. Yep. So a lot did, of cred there. Who did you say was a big junkyard fan? Charlie Starr. Yeah, he is. He is. Yeah, I think he likes Tesla and Cinderella. Yep. Yeah, he, he does too. too yeah. Dude, I tell you what, Blackberry Smoke could kill a Tesla or a Cinderella cover too if they decide to play one. Well, they, yeah, or you know, do a, a tour with them, or um, yeah. Um, you can find a clip when they played Natural that Tom Kiefer came out Tom, and they did uh, Heartbreak Station and Brown did, Sugar. Yep. Awesome. So, Matt, for you, what new, I got two questions. We'll start with one first. What new bands have you heard of recently that are really exciting you? Um, well. You got I, any? Uh, yeah. The, um, posted the video, I think, today of this band yeah. uh, called The Dirty Janes. And yep. The singer has kind of a early Chris Cornell thing going on. Um, they, they're, there's some talent there. Uh, he plays a BC rich mockingbird has, you know, kind of a, the original slash guitar, right? Slash played a mockingbird. Wasn't that his mm -hmm. number one, his first one? He played that in velvet revolver too, though. Um, and, uh, uh, the rest of the bands solid. He's definitely to me, the, the straw that stirs the drink, but, and you can tell, there's something there. They're kind of raw. They need to get a little more polished on the performances and self-editing of the songs and stuff. And that's by far the best song, I've, to my knowledge, that I've heard. Maybe I haven't heard the right stuff, but, you know, uh, more songs like the one, I forget the name of it, but um, the one I posted is like, especially once they get, you know, when I talk about self-editing, like there's like a little jam in the beginning, but it doesn't really go anywhere. Like, cut that off like um and there's some jamming at the end that don't really go it's like when the crows used to jam a lot i know chris likes the grateful dead a lot but they just weren't good at jamming you know like you know compared to like the almond brothers or like you know it's it wasn't it's like when a guy who's more about driving to the basket keeps trying to falls in love with the three-point line but it's not his game. It's like, dude, you're not a three-point shooter. A lot, lot of bricks. Lot, dude, a lot of... And yeah, Mark Ford could play, but the jams just didn't... You know, that's... Some people... I, I know the Crows have their jam period fans, but I was 
glad as fuck when they got out of it. Well, and I, I'm a big fan of the by your side record. And I know a lot of those Crows fans who got in like the three snakes and one charm or the, even the tail end of Amorica when they were doing the don't like that. I'm like, that's when I came back. I love Amorica. Uh, three snakes and one charms a little bit out there. I do. There's good stuff, but like, I love by your side. It's not a flaw. It's not a perfect album. Not even close to it. There's some sinkers, but it brought back, like, we're just going to straight, straight on punch you in the face with rock music again. Doing what they're best at. Doing what they're best at. It's like being uh, aggressive. I've seen that. I've said this before, but it's like, okay, so I'm an Alabama fan in college football and it's been cool to see them stretch and learn how to do the passing game but when it's like third and one you're like run the fucking ball run <laughs> you do the yeah ball. power yeah so yeah same thing that that is that is a a good comparison i like yeah, it I, and you know uh, that's a phenomenon in the rock thing I call playing hide and go seek from yourself, like avoiding what you're best at because you don't want to, you're overly concerned about repeating yourself or you think it'll make you more artistic. Sometimes stretching out works and sometimes when it does, but you know, the key is to know when to pull back in and, you know, but uh, like if the crows do another album, I would be shocked if it's not straight uh southern harmony mates you know shake your money maker with maybe a dollop of a mark of weirdness but you know uh there will be i doubt there would be like three snakes you know the yeah you're not alone kind of well that's what chris said he's fallen in love with just straight on rock music and guitar rock again and that's what he wants to do and i'm matt my fingers are crossed too that they go that direction and play it and don't do any of this kind of um, weird stuff, like you said. Uh, hell of a rock singer and his brother can write some damn riffs and play them. So, uh, and it's, you know, as much as I would like to see the, you know, the surviving members of the, you know, the uh, Southern Harmony and Amorica, the Three Snakes lineup back the fact is, if you saw those shows, they were really fucking good. Yep. You know, and yeah, they'll no other guitar player will ever be Mark Ford. Nope. But the magic is the singing and the songs and the attitude. And with as long as you have Chris and Rich and Chris, another guy whose voice still sounds pretty damn good. And right, he, he's you know not going out there you know tripping on acid anymore or whatever but like high he's not on. doing as much pot or acid or cocaine <laughs> right or at least before the show but at I least before the show but uh um they have they pick the right guys they have the right management they're you know not you know they're making smarter moves now like we talked about doing stuff for exposure with like you know Darius Rucker Darius Rucker um so I'd, I'd love to see, and I heard they were working with George Draculius mm-hmm. again. That's a rumor. Yeah, that's what we yeah. hear. And they've shared pictures of working with George, Chris and Rich, like songwriting and stuff, but like um, in social media pictures and stuff. But, uh, you know, 
another great, I can't take credit for this, but I was watching not to like, you know, uh, uh, drop Eddie Trunk's name too much, but I was watching their the latest episode of their with, with, with extreme, yeah, and uh, they're talking about how Guns N' Roses has just done this tour for eight years and no new album, and he's mentioned something that I don't think, and I swear his insights have been better on this than his radio shows or his um, or that metal show, but he he says, okay, you only got it for a tour. You only got to get along for, you know, three hours a night. And it's fun and everybody's there. But if you're making an album that's 12 hour days in a little room or a building and it's opinions and it's creativity and hey, ego, this ego, 100%. Whereas tourists just like we're just, you know, it's fun. We well, Guns N' Roses and he Eddie said, or those guys said, it, like they make so much money, separate buses, separate hotel rooms, separate planes. They only see each other for the two and a half, three hours on stage. And so, why, like he said, why risk blowing? I mean, God, holy shit, man. Like <laughs> that first run of that, you know, Duff, Axel, and Slash, where, you know, Tri Union, uh, not in this lifetime. I have never seen a line at the merch like that like oh really insane insane like blows every other and lots of i mean it was insane god knows how much they make on merch each time more than they're making on new record sales <laughs> well uh, why right, and, right. and also what, it, happens, right? what happens if you're guns and roses and you go through all that there's the risk of the things ego creative i want to do this i want to do this i want to make acdc music i want to make experimental music uh you know and you do that and say okay that's the risk is that f you i hate you f you this is why i stopped working with you in 96 you know like but like um with the touring and stuff like that there's no risk that like you said and say you do get through that in the studio and nothing, it doesn't all blow up. Guess what? It's 2023. And it's unless you're Taylor Swift or, you know, Beyonce, not a lot of people selling a lot of records, you know, yeah. like, yeah. you know, even big legendary rock acts when they put out a record now you look at those weekly sales especially after the first week when all the super fan completist go out there to get the shit like the next week you're like holy shit yeah you sell a million records now it's incredible it's like a miracle yeah i mean even back the that last aerosmith record i mean fucking aerosmith like and, and this was several years ago and i if it went gold barely like, and we're talking about a band that's had been multi-platinum for mm -hmm. a long time. Well, since Permanent Vacation, right? They had that whole run all the way to where we are now. Through the 90s. But yeah. I, I, the risk versus reward. So high risk of like, you know, taking the your golden ticket and just like lighting it on fire to risk it for what? To say, whereas there's a much less of a risk when 
some the bands on a different tier now at this part of their career to do an album. And because and Roses, I'll go ahead. Sorry. No, no, because I think they have more to gain and less to risk. Well, do you think it helps too that the fact you've got Slash who does stuff with Miles Kennedy and other people where he's creating original music and Duff has his solo projects where he's creating original music. They don't mind going out for that huge payday, paying the old stuff because they are doing these side gigs, doing making new stuff. I would think that would be that would really help balance things. Um, uh, yeah, that's a good insight. Um, uh, but uh, I mean, or even just one song, but uh, and, and not just you know okay these are leftover tracks from right. Chinese democracy that we're going to take out the, and they weren't that good. I mean, Kentucky, I didn't like them. Chicken guitar player and Buckethead. <laughs> he was an amazing guitar player, but he is. there's not a, how many people at GNR shows are wearing appetite shirts and how many are wearing Chinese right. democracy shirts. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'm not, and there's some good stuff on that album, but. I mean, it's. Do you want to live in an okay house or have three awesome, five it's awesome a, houses? It's the best of both worlds. You're making a gajillion dollars with the Guns N' Roses stuff, and you have the freedom and the non risk to do your side gigs with Miles Kennedy or solo stuff. Best of both worlds. I love that last, the, the slash four. Um, yeah. Very raw sounding some a couple of really good it was a solid record but there's a couple of really good songs on there miles kennedy's a talent man he is a super nice guy well adjusted like the he's the anti lead singer lsd lead singer uh disease because he's (laughs) so nice and like doesn't think the you know that's that's the reason you know the people always well why are lead singers so crazy it's because why are you know, very beautiful women sometimes really crazy because everybody's kissing their ass. It makes me crazy too. But to get the cream, but to get the cream in the top crop though, you're a different personality, different, like you're different from people too, right? Like that's just a separation of like normal folk, like the three of us talking versus celebrity, sports star, you know, rock star. Other than the talent. Yeah, I mean, they have something that's accessible and that connects with a lot of people, which is a hell of a power, but also a unique thing, you know, that's their own thumbprint. You know, like I was watching, I think from the 96 or 98 Stone Temple Pilots tour. And holy shit. You just posted that, didn't you? Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. Like, yeah, Wyland's a wild card, but he... And those other guys are so steady players and so good, you know, and one guitar band too. And uh, Dean DeLeo's just nailing every single note, um, covering rhythm and lead. Uh, So they were so like strong of a platform for a while. And even, you know, if he's missing a couple of notes, his, he just had so much character and charisma and, uh like i mean and <laughs> you know the fact of the matter is you know i've said this before like what what was the last dangerous rock band 
and a, a lot of that danger is alluring. Danger will kill your ass or drive people around you crazy. It's the unpredictability, or, right? That's where you're talking as part of the danger is like you don't know if they're going to show up. You don't know if they're going to get in a fight with each other or someone in the audience. Yeah. And yeah, it's a pain in the ass sometimes when you have to wait three hours for a fucking Axel Rose to go on stage <laughs> in 1991. But like, uh, I can't speak to it. I mean, I, I'm sure he had. So you're saying like, who's on. a dangerous band right now? I don't. What was the last dangerous band? Like dangerous. Guns and Roses. I mean, honestly, because they were sort of the tail end of that LA rock, hard rock scene and Jane's Addiction was pretty dangerous too, I would say. Pretty good. Um, but like, man, I, I think Stone Temple Pilots only because of Scott Weiland, because you don't know what you're going to get with them, right? And their music still had a little bit of that rough punk edge about it. Now they were near as dangerous as Guns N' Roses, where you had slap, like you, everybody in the the band was kind of you didn't know what you're going to get. But I think, I think maybe STP. I mean, when. <laughs> Fucking Wyland was getting arrested even when they were making the goddamn Velvet Revolver. Yeah. He yeah. Gave his golden chance to add a second chance that, you know. Second again, chance. He had about 50 of them. <laughs> for another band yeah, with yeah, these yeah. very big stars, you know, Slash and Duff. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and he's, those Velvet like, Revolver it, records were good. They were good records, man. I liked them. Oh uh, God! I was I was going to ask you uh, the Velvet Revolver records. Both of those were good. I was oh, you're a guitar player. Going back to Stone Temple Pilots, you ever try to play some Stone Temple Pilots stuff? Okay, so the last band bands that I um I haven't really tried to play other people's songs in a long time. Uh, I started playing guitar really late, like 19, and um, so I went uh besides like the guys who drew me in which were jimmy page slash rich robinson um keith richards mick taylor you know that mix i learned their shit and i learned some other stuff from that era and some you know uh other bands from that era but then i read a thing by jimmy page he says if you want to learn how to play like me learn how to play like my influences so i got really into blues so in the 90s when everybody was doing either alternative bands <clears throat> or doing, all power chords or doing jam bands, yeah. I was playing in blues bands, which was, you know, tw- early twenties, white dudes playing blues. Wasn't a, it wasn't exactly a moneymaker, but it, uh, you know, it was important. Sometimes you, you know how sometimes in life you want to do something different. Like you're talking about uh, Brian, like in the under bands, you know, you don't want to follow. Uh, um, and eventually, like, uh, I went to New Orleans and played in original bands there, started them and led them and, you know, made some original solo records, too. But again, there came to a point where it's like, my friends are starting to have houses. Some of them have like houses. I'm living in a crappy apartment. Um, my bass player is on heroin and uh Another person in my life is addicted to crack. Um, and then someone suggests, hey, you know a lot about rock. Maybe you should write about it. And cashed in a connection I had from a creative writing class to start writing uh, for an alt-weekly. And 
it clicked, felt good, pursued it. So I haven't pursued, I haven't learned, you know, the last, the crows, I learned some early crow stuff when I started and uh, that's would be the last. Oh, I, I did learn a couple of white stripe songs because I, there you go. They, uh, the bluesy, the bluesy parts of them, whether it was uh, and the arts, Biscuit or. And artsy, like, you know, uh, that's the thing about. Uh, they had that mystique, like the Black Keys seems like dudes that you could have been in like high school with, but no mystique. And Pat's funny as shit to talk. I've interviewed him, the drummer from the Keys. Um, Dan's okay to chat with. Hell of a singer. Chicks love the Black Keys because he's a fucking good singer. But uh, the mystique of the Stripes were, I think, what I liked about them. That was a long no. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's the equal to the long question Ryan asked earlier. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Where, <laughs> where I was going with that, Matt, is I've played some Stone Temple Pilots song. And like, it, it, and if you're a guitar player, like, yeah, yeah, easy, easy, or, you know, reasonable. All of a sudden, sudden Dean DeLeo throws in a jazz chord or two, and you're like, how the fuck am I supposed to finger like fret this one like interstate love song i love that song i can play all that song but there is a effed up weird variation of an f or f sharp chord that's jazz and i still i can't finger it right 10 years 10 years later so those bastards they throw that in because you think it's easy and there's something tricky about it and that's part of their magic they have yep. that classic rock thing with a little alternative. Their own sound. It's that jazz. They've got the, the, a jazz, very much a jazz influence. And I, I've i had the pleasure of interviewing uh, Dean before. And if I remember correctly, a lot of that jazz chord thing comes from Robert, the bass player, who wrote okay. a lot of those riffs and chord Yeah, But dude, I'm telling you, it's like, oh yeah, I got this, I got this. And you're like, what is this and how do I do it? And do I need two two hands to fret this what are you doing here <laughs> and that's funny because when you when i do see a band cover stp there's always a part where they get i'm like that's not the right chord. it's not the right yeah <laughs> <laughs> they played the right riff but they didn't get the chord yeah 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 for sure i you know that that's funny um one i got one last question for you because i know you had limited time for us but uh What's been your favorite article that you've written this year for any of your platforms, guitarworldal.com or anything else? Because you've done stuff on Zeppelin, stuff on Vito Brada, like all these different things. Um, two that haven't come out yet. One okay. is, uh, well, actually, I'll tell you three. One is an extended interview with Jack Russell, the original singer from Great Lakes. Yeah. Uh, Speaking about blues influence, hard rock. And he still sounds good. I don't know yeah. all the shit he's been through, man. And yeah talking to that guy and looking into his eyes over zoom and all he's been through and talking about music and not asking him about, you know, shit that people have asked him about already. Like, I really liked that one that's coming out soon on metal edge. We've got something coming out on for a guitar world uh, with Vernon Reed from living in color. Oh, one of my favorites Forest. and one of my favorite bands. Oh. oh, such a badass band, man. Like speaking of not being able to play his shit, like, Good luck. I don't care how good of a guitar player you're on. Good luck. Yeah, I don't even try that shit, man. But like, <laughs> so cool, funny, insightful. He's a he's a geek. Like, I follow him on Twitter, and like, he talks about Marvel and Star Wars. Like, 
not only just music, he he's Brian, he's a guy I would absolutely die to get on the podcast just because the mm-hmm. non-music conversations would be incredible. Um, yeah, unique cat, uh, talented. Um, and uh, the third thing is I've got a thing coming out for guitar player. I tracked down, it took me like six years to track her down. Uh, the She was a, like a 20-year-old seamstress in Los Angeles who made, you know, Jimmy Page's dragon yeah yeah white suits i I tracked down the girl who made those uh her her name's coco uh she now lives in ibiza and uh she has some like that's spain right peninsula in spain ibiza right yes island maybe uh but um my geography sucked um (laughs) mine too obviously (laughs) but uh so uh she and, and you know she went on tour with Zeppelin for a year, so she has uh Zeppelin. Was story. she the seamstress Zeppelin for stories the band? that will melt your ear, brother? <laughs> so seamstress for the band and Tiny Dancer is that is that the lyric about her or what? She's never uh she's she loves that song, but, but she doesn't think it's about her. But she's never seen Almost Famous, and I was like, you have to watch Almost Famous. How could? How could somebody who had that, like not see that? Probably because why? Why watch something when you when you lived it? Uh, it's like my attitude on, and my sister had it. Like, okay, so I'm 51. So my 10 year high school reunion, I really wanted to go, and that was kind of before social media really was easier to keep up. Everybody found their old friends or people they knew from earlier in their life, and now. Now I can see what people are up to that way. So I have no urge to ever go to another high school reunion and endure mm-hmm. any of the people I don't want to endure mm-hmm. because anybody I care about, I know that, yeah. I know that they've got a, a new grandkid or a new, their daughter's going to college or like they've got a new puppy or, puppy or cat. Like, you know, uh, so yeah, I don't know where that was going, but. basically if you've lived that life you don't need to go back and watch a a replica of that occur yeah yeah exactly why would she's she lived almost famous but i hope she i hope she watched but but that's such a good movie i mean that's such an incredible movie soundtrack all like it's but i get it if you lived it you don't need to see the fictional version of that life the thing that when it first came out, I was disappointed because there's all this buzz, Cameron Crowe, 70s rock movie. I was like, man, this is so not, when you're younger, I've, in young adulthood, sometimes you get hung up on edginess. Like, man, they'd all be doing blow or shooting up, like, because that's how it was. Right. But, okay, I think of a movie around that same time where they did depict that, Boogie Nights. You know, they're doing blow and shooting up and all. That's my cat, Ziggy Stardust. Um, what up, Ziggy? <laughs> it's a nice looking orange cat. Um, but I never rewatch Boogie Nights because all that right. shit, I don't want to, it's like, uh, you know, but I'll, I rewatch Almost Famous all the time. And it, so I think where I thought he got it wrong, Cameron Crow, he got it right. As I, well, as, Time has proven he got it right. But it's not that type of movie to show like the dark edges. It's, you know what I mean? That's not the theme in the movie. So I don't, that, that wouldn't have added anything 
to the to the movie, right? Would, it would only have been a detriment, I think, to to the um, theme or the feel. Sometimes, real, <laughs> sometimes realism isn't the best entertainment. Sometimes, and there's Ellie May. We have another animal guest of the <laughs> podcast, Brian's. I've got dogs and cats around here somewhere. I just, you know, they're they're old. They're hanging out. We should let uh, them talk. They'd probably be more interested. <laughs> well, Mark Maron. So, almost almost famous is one of my all time favorite movies from everything. Again, I love the music of that era. But there are so many spit parts and cameos. You know, have you ever listened to Mark Maron's podcast? Speaking of podcasts, I'm not a fan. Okay. All right. I, I heard him interview Slash one time, and it was literally. And I know he, maybe, maybe he was doing it because he has a big audience and he thought he has to dumb it down. But it was like, if you have done any research on Slash, you need the answer to every one of the questions. Um, and I was like, man, there are, you know how pe many people would love to interview Slash right now that would ask not, him something different. Yeah. Or ask him good questions. So, and maybe I just watched the that one. And after that, I was like, I'm not seeing. I'm not seeing that one. I've, I've, I don't have probably haven't listened in a while, but I did. But where I'm going with this is the big, very beginning of this podcast. Like there, you can hear somebody scream like "Lock the gates!" It's Mark Maron, and that's from his role in Almost Famous, where uh, the guitar player gets electrocuted on stage. They grab everybody and leave early. The bus is leaving. He's the promoter. He tells them lock the gates, and like they bust through. So I'm like, that's where that soundbite clip from Mark Maron's podcast was from. That's him. Wow. I, I, I don't know if I had had that before. That's I great. did. I did. And then Jim, Jimmy Fallon's character takes like he's a little much. That takes me out. <laughs> All right, Brian. Sorry. Well, I, I talked I to did, you. It's more an observation. And when you mentioned, Matt, when you mentioned, uh, you know, not asking, you know, your guests, you know, the typical questions, you know, you, uh, you know, talking about Jack Russell and whatever he probably asked him about, but now didn't you have? Did you talk to Scotty Hill or Snake from from Skid Row? Yeah, I've done Snake and I've done Rachel. Interview. Yeah, okay, and of course everybody asks them the obvious question, and you didn't, and that's what's great about you. You don't ask cookie cutter questions. And well, that's a good influence for us because we try to do the same. You, you know, know you, there are some things that you need to ask about but you want to ask them maybe a, a facet that hadn't been asked before, you know, um, or um, yeah, there's an art to making it accessible, but making it smart and also winning them over, you know, and, you know, knowing, you know how it is. I mean, well, seriously, you guys, you guys have done so many interviews, you know, your how interview with the, with him. We try any notification that I ever see on anybody snake or Scotty Hill or any of those guys always look, Oh, book. Like every interview except you. That's awesome. Um, I mean, I don't think there's anything more. And I've interviewed Sebastian before, and he was great. Uh, but you know, uh, I, what can I, they say that they haven't said a thousand times, right? Yeah, and if I, but I will ask about the music they made together. Sure. Fuck yeah, I will. But I don't have to, you know. So when was the last time you and Sebastian played ping pong or Sebastian, when was the last time Snake sent you a Christmas card? I mean, it's yeah. what could that those answers are out there. And I think the, the, the subjects appreciate that because those are questions that they don't normally get. It's not boring. You know, it's like we're having a, a normal conversation. 
Well, they and you want to. People like to be appreciated, and they. It sounds stupid. People appreciate being appreciated. Yeah. Part of that is doing some research, um, and uh, you know, trying to um, you know find uh, things that people love about them, but maybe also find out a reason people love them, but maybe they don't realize or something cool about their story that hadn't been done told to death or um, it's, it's God, man, these, I tell you what guys uh, like um, it's gotten, I like to read a lot and which is you words out, you better put words in, but uh, the harder, (laughs) further in life I go, it's gotten harder for me to read anything besides rock books because those people live such have lived such an eventful and exciting and you know often dramatic life that like anything else at this point is so boring to me (laughs) (laughs) but part of that is you know and to get a small part in helping some of these guys their story get out there in a more complete or better way. Like I just think of like how many times I used to like drive around in my 82 silver accord, listening to the first LA guns album. And I've got the opportunity to help Phil or Tracy, you know, uh, Oh, Tracy loves you. Uh, he's a cool guy in, in my um, experience with him. You know, yeah, he's a fan, man. I see all the stuff. He's a, definitely a fan. Uh, yeah well i'm a fan of his man like when somebody you've enjoyed their music um uh when it's good it's good you know uh we all have probably some stories where it's not that way but uh, um you know and who knows but uh yeah tracy's cool guy and you know he's happy he's making good music he's He's happy. So he's in a good spot. I just saw he finished doing a new another um Sundown. Um, sun, yeah, with uh stri- with uh, uh Michael, Michael Striper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's another great guy. Well, he's doing the record with and the guy's name is escaping me, the plays in Slash's band. Like Miles Kennedy? No, the guitar. Todd Kearns, Blackbird. Oh, yeah. yeah, Todd, damn it, Kearns. It's got a there really cool yeah. name that I can't think of. It's Blackbird something or another. Blackbird Angels. I've heard there some songs. There you go. That's a freaking cool name. Aerosmithy. Yeah, I bet. Early I can't wait to hear that. Yeah, you'll like it. It's right up your jam. Well, guys, this has been cool. Thanks yeah, we, we, we appreciate you coming in. And uh, always, there's Matt, there's always a good excuse to talk to you. And I'm glad we had the opportunity to do that. And you you hopped on here well yeah thanks for thanking me and i i appreciate the kind words it it means a lot and for uh you know i really thank you for that uh but yeah unless you guys have anything else you want to wrap about i guess i'll go well promote yourself right brian like where can people find your work because you're all over the place and honest to god like if you like rock journalism there's not really much better out there than what you're doing that well thank you uh that's very kind of you to say, and I'll wire you the money via Venmo after that. <laughs> just keep just pro- keep providing ethical journalistic advice when I text you. <laughs> okay, you got it, man. Okay, so I mentioned the guitar player, the metal edge, and the guitar world stuff. Another one that I'm excited about. I'm lucky enough to have a a staff job, which means if you're freelancing the whole time and writing, you have to work three times as hard for the same amount of money. 
so uh, I'm lucky to have a staff job that I do work hard on. I also do this freelancing stuff, but it's with AL.com, which is the largest uh, media outlet in Alabama. Uh, used to be the website for the Birmingham News, Mobile Press Register, Huntsville Times, Prince gone uh, now. But anyway, uh, I get a lot of cool interviews from that. I've got one. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Los Angeles punk band called X from the late seventies. Yeah. Yep. Uh, first few, I think all the first four records were placed, were produced by Ray Manzarek from the doors, um, uh, interviewed their singer, Exine Cervenka. I think I'm saying Exine's last name, right. That'll be on AL.com soon. And I get to do some really cool stuff with them, partly because the Orion amphitheater has brought, uh, you know, some cool people here, but so yeah, check me out on al.com. Follow me on Twitter, Matthew B. Wake. Uh, that's where I do most of my, uh, rock and roll, um, keyboard capping. And, uh, that's not in stories. Um, but, uh, uh, it's check me out. I have some stuff coming up on metal edge and guitar world and guitar player too. So. Yeah, man. Like, listen, people are checking out the podcast. Matt's been on before, but I'm telling you, if you like rock, rock music, whether it's new people, legacy acts or whatever, Matt's your guy. You're like Howard Stern, where I may not be interested necessarily in the person or subject talking about, but I always enjoy the interview because you've got a way with words. So we appreciate you being on with us. Thank you so much, Matt, for coming on, man. It means a lot to us. Hey, man. Thanks for this. Very sincerely appreciate it. Great to see you guys. Great to talk. Thanks to our buddy, Matt, for uh, coming in and uh, filling a seat uh, when we needed. Uh, he pinch hit. He yeah. pinch hit. And as we said, he had a, he did triple and probably got home on an overthrow of the bag. So, yeah. What no, a great dude. Nice surprise. Great dude. Um, I enjoy especially like just his take on the music business. It's, it's not cookie cutters, especially when we were talking about when his interviews, he doesn't ask Skid Row about Sebastian Bach. He doesn't ask Jack Russell about the fire. You know, he like he's just got a yeah. better original. He can just, I don't know. He's a great interview. A great interview. Yeah, conversation. yeah. His approach is, I think, what you and I often try to do is we're we're talking to people we have on, like fans, or just like sitting around having a casual conversation. We aren't you and I aren't journalists. We don't. We're not trying to get a story. <laughs> really? You know, it's just. Right, right, yeah. Surprise, everybody. Brian and I yeah. are actually journalists outside of podcasting, but um, but it's it's nice just to sit and have a conversation, and that's kind of why I enjoy his interview so much because there, as you described, I'm glad he thought of Matt too earlier. I'm like, hell yeah, like that just made my day. You know, not that my day was bad, but that made my day even more. It's well, like, I did to Matt. It's just always yeah. just a, just a hoot. Because, yeah, again, great insights to the music business. He's going to bring up stuff. You know, we we had a great conversation. Like, we're talking about Guns N' Roses and Stone Temple Pilots, and we're talking about L.A. Guns, and we're talking, like, whatever came up, came up. And this is Brian. That's what you and I would exactly be doing if we're hanging out with Matt somewhere at a coffee shop or a bar. Yeah, and through this uh, this uh, chat with Matt, uh, out of the blue came Nawasser. Yes, trademark you. <laughs> new wave of southern rock new Boston. and it's true there is a new yeah, wave no, of sure, southern yeah. rock every time we turn around there's another great band whether it's the dirty gospel one for the road 
some of our stalwart bands that we love, um, you know, Mojo Thunder. Like it's every time we turn around, Brian, there's another good act. So thank you to all our friends and uh, bands that create Nawasser. Thanks to Matt for coming on again, brother. We love you. And always remember Southern Rock is reverent. Blues is blood. We'll see you next time. Um.